Yes, school days. Yeah, we're talking about schools here on WIOX Community Radio on Health Cetera in the Catskills. I'm Diana Mason, the host of this program. And yes, yeah, schools have reopened and every child and teenager who has been following their own internal clock on waking up in the morning all summer is asking, why does school have to start so early? And, and actually, teachers and parents may be asking the same thing. Well, why does school start so early? And should it? Dr. Kyla Wallstrom is a senior research fellow and lecturer at the University of Minnesota's College of Education and Human Development. And she has something to say about this. Kyla, thank you so much for joining us today on Health Center in the Catskills. It's great to be with you. So what time do most schools start? Remind us, because I think it got earlier uh, over the years as uh, I haven't been in school for a long time. (laughs) Well, most high schools in the country, uh, actually probably 87% or more, start sometime between 7.30 and 7.45. So it's a very early start for high school. Mm. Um, And if you have a tiered busing system that... Middle schoolers then you often start next, and elementary children start their schools then after the uh, uh, secondary students begin school. So it's often a um, staggered bus system that causes the starting time of school. Ah, ah, I see. Yeah, I walk to school. <laughs> <laughs> well, that solves the problem. <laughs> yes. So why is starting so early such a problem or a problem? Well, it's a problem uh, or it's an issue that um, doesn't address very well these six starting times for the biological rhythms, sleep patterns of uh, children. Elementary students have a very flexible sleep schedule, and so they could their schools can easily start as early as 7.30, 7.45, because the children can get to bed early and wake up early with no problem in terms mm. of their ability to fall asleep. The problem arises when adolescents and any child, when they enter adolescence, enter puberty, between about the ages of 13 and 19, they have a biological shift in their brain that causes sleep to, the phase to fall asleep happens between, seven. I'm sorry, 10.45 and 11 at night, mm-hmm. and the brain stays asleep until 8 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And this is something that is universally uh, true for all adolescent human beings anywhere in the world. They have this sleep phase shift that occurs, which really conflicts with the early starting time of most high schools in the country. So it's a it's a health problem in many ways for these teens as well as a sleep problem. And so what would be the ideal um, staggered bus schedule, if you will, uh, for, for the grades then? Would you start the elementary school at 730? Yeah, 730, 745, whatever seems to work in terms of the transportation schedule. And then um, middle schools next and the high schools would be um, at the end of the three tiers. And it's interesting, um, I completed a study for the Centers for Disease Control In 2014, I did a longitudinal study of schools across the country and the benefits of the later start for high school students in particular are overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And so when communities are making this decision, they need to take into consideration the 
benefits for teens as well as the flexibility for the elementary students to begin school earlier too. So we'll we'll talk more about that in a minute, but I want to point out that where I am in the rural Catskill Mountains, the there is there is no middle school. There is no element. There's one school. Yes, right. <laughs> so they're right. picking up all the kids at the at the same time. So yes. So maybe having a start time for but but if if the brain of the adolescent is going to stay asleep until eight, they're yeah. not going to be ready to get on a bus before eight thirty. That is basically true. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is the problem with with um, the starting time after eight thirty. Of course, for for teenagers, is that it pushes the end of the day out. So it does affect or has an impact on sports and activities yeah. and things such as, as that. Now, getting back to your comment about the one bus K-12 yes. system, you know, most of Minnesota, I mean, even Minnesota, most of the U.S. has a lot of rural bus yes. schedules and school districts. <laughs> and those school districts often start at, say, 8.15, 8.30. And it accommodates the sleep schedules fairly well of the elementary, of the adolescent students, but it certainly accommodates the elementary students um, so they don't start too late because if you start school very late for an elementary student it also affects their learning because their prime learning time is always first thing in the morning wow wow makes it really hard for a one school it is one school yeah so so let's talk about what the research shows about about uh the the start times and and the health benefits of paying attention to this well, the health benefits are remarkable. And when I began this research 25, 26 years ago, um, I was a skeptic. I had been an elementary principal and a teacher for many years. And um, when I went into this school to do a, an evaluation of their change in time, I was absolutely um, overwhelmed with the benefits that were emerging. The students were um, better, uh, doing better in terms of their mood and depression, less depression, less moodiness, um, less uh, issues with um, alcohol, cigarettes, and drugs. We now know statistically that students that are well-rested have adequate sleep, use drugs, cigarettes, and alcohol less. We have um, clear indication that um, these teenagers who are driving um, have fewer car accidents when they are well-rested because it's driving is a very complex activity that requires a lot of attention, and if you're sleep-deprived, Mm. You don't have the attention that's needed. And then finally, um, the the issue certainly with academics was the one that was unanswered for many years, but we have discovered that with the information about memory and consolidation during sleep, that the grades of the students who get adequate sleep also improve. So it's a it's a remarkable turnaround for these teenagers when their their school uh, starts later. So, so you you talk about. It sounds like you know of schools that have done this. That at least yeah. from a research standpoint. Um, but but even if if it was from research standpoint, if it was a pilot project or demonstration project, did they continue with it? And what what is what do you know about schools' experience with this and getting getting the times changed? Well, you know, first off, I can tell you that probably more than a 1,000 school districts have changed at the time in the last 25 years. Wow. It's, not, it's not a small change. And, in fact, the entire state of California changed this past year. That, that affects millions, millions of teenagers. All of their schools were mandated to start the uh, middle school at 8 o'clock or no earlier and the high schools no earlier than 8.30. 
That's all of California. Wow. Florida just passed the same legislation, and that will be in effect in two years. So we have these statewide initiatives that are uh, bringing it to the to the national attention, which is it's been known for many years, but it's brought national attention to this issue. Now, go ahead. Well, and who who's who's behind who's making this happen? Is there an organization? Well, is it teachers? Is it well? It's a combination of people who are well informed or become well informed mm-hmm. about the research. Mm-hmm. And um, I know that teenage depression is an issue that seems to be at the forefront of a lot of the public health concerns right now. This is clearly one way one way of many to address the issues with teenage depression and uh, moodiness. But the other thing I think is really important is the community is slow to begin to address this because schools set the rhythm and the tone of the community's daily life. And when that gets interrupted by a change, it takes about a year for everybody to readjust everything, but their work schedules, child care, busing, transportation, lunches, cafeteria, it goes on and on. But so it's a big change. But once the change has been made, you had asked earlier about whether or not anybody went back. The answer is no. Wow, that's interesting. It is no. Yeah. Um, the only the only one I actually do know of or two that that did revert, but they only reverted back for a couple of years, was the decision was made too fast. In other words, it was made in June for that very same September, uh. and it didn't give the community members, the parents, time to adjust work schedules, childcare, sports. It, it was too fast. Wow. So so the timing of this is really important. You really need to give everybody at least a year's notice before it, it becomes um, a change. How do teachers react to it? Well, it, it's if they, by and large, love it, love it for a couple of reasons. Number one, elementary teachers love it because they get kids that are fresh and early in the morning and they haven't been in daycare or sitting in front of a TV for an hour mm-hmm. or two before they get to school, mm-hmm. number one. And the second thing, the uh, secondary teachers, both middle school and high school, find that they have fewer kids sleeping at their desks. When school starts early, we have 27% of all students sleep at their desks in their first two hours really? of class. Repeat yeah. that one more time. So 27% of students, all students, will be sleeping at their desk if their school starts early, the adolescent student. So the teachers are finding the kids aren't sleeping in during class. Um, and also the extra time in the morning gives them a chance to confer with their colleagues about world events that might want to talk about that very day in social studies and science classes and so on. Wow. So teachers, by and large, um, like it. You know, again, it's hard for them to make the change, too, mm. just like anybody else. But once they've made the change, it's been successful. Now, what about parents? Well, parents, um, you know, (laughs) it's interesting. There has been often parents who have been not happy with the idea of the change. And then once I've interviewed them after, they have said that they can't believe that this is the same child that lives in their household. So, But the parents have a really important role to play if the time doesn't change to the later time. Because parents control such things as cell phones Mm. and cell phones are the number one reason that students are not getting adequate sleep it's 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 really a detriment to their health and uh, i always say to when i give a a talk about this say who's paying the cell phone bill well if this parent is paying the cell phone bill then they control it and they'll, they'll say well my child would never give it up well you know then then they need to start paying for it 
But in, if they needed it for an alarm, they, the, the family could go buy a you know cheap alarm clock, and um, and then not use the cell phone as an alarm. So it's the cell phone is a real problem for getting adequate sleep. So say a little bit more about that for people who who don't understand the impact that use of cell phone before sleep has on the quality of sleep and the ability to sleep. And the ability to sleep. It's What happens is the brain gets activated by any activity that has like a screen. So you've got not only a computer screen, but you've got the cell phone screen. And if the cell phone goes off during the night while the student is sleeping, it's going to activate the brain, and the brain will have a hard time falling back asleep, number one. And then there's some question about the light that's emitted from screens. It isn't definitive yet that that is the only issue that seems to be problematic. But certainly, anytime the brain is activated, it disturbs the sleep, and then it will disturb the ability to remember things the next day for, for classes. And also when the brain is disturbed, it has um, it loses its ability to cleanse itself every night. The brain is actually as active when we're sleeping as when we're awake. And so cleansing of the brain happens during the night with the cerebral fluid, and it washes out all irrelevant information. But if you don't get adequate sleep, that irrelevant information remains in the brain, and it causes the brain to feel a bit agitated and it's... It's it's an interesting. It's it's hard to explain without having a lot of medical details. But it's the the cleansing of the brain each night and the remodeling of the brain each night is very important for healthy development and healthy sleep. Yes, and for those of us that are postmenopausal, uh, that remodeling yes. is uh, <laughs> isn't isn't the way it was when we were teenagers. That think, is true. I could yep. sleep through anything. I think as a teenager, and now yeah. Uh, yeah, well, we won't we won't go there. So, so is there any opposition to this at all? Well, the opposition that has emerged um, generally has to do with changing sports schedules. Mm. Um, and I've interviewed many, many coaches over the years, and they were against the idea to start with. But I interviewed them a year later, and they actually liked the change because the students remembered the plays better. Ah. So the coaches actually found the later starting time for teenagers to be beneficial, but they had to be had they had to see the evidence, and for them the evidence was students who remembered plays better and had a better winning schedule. So there's there's a lot of opposition just for people who don't know the research and know the benefits. And whenever I talk to anybody or a group that says, well, what can a community do? The number one thing that the community can do is have an open conversation with all of the relevant research information and then make a good decision that's good for, for their children. Mm-hmm. And there's all the kids ages K-12 in school. Um, but it's about information. Yeah. Now, um, just so even if a school changes its time, uh, mm-hmm. we know that sleep can drift. And when young people stay up on the weekend, uh, teenagers mm-hmm. stay up till late, makes it hard for them to get to get to get to bed on at a decent time on Sunday night before school. Uh, right. Do you have any other suggestions for parents on how to help the their children to develop good sleep habits? That's a great question because it has it becomes a family it becomes a family discussion and issue. Um, the a couple of things that I think are important to remember and parents get this they they if you think of sleep as food for the brain it, it does it sort of feeds the brain it allows the brain to function. 
you would never withhold food from your body during the school day or school week and say, I'm only going to eat 1,000 calories a day or 10, you know, 500 calories. And then on the weekend, binge and have three or 4,000 calories. That's extremely unhealthy behavior. Well, sleep is the same way. So you need to have regular sleep every night, minimum of teenagers of eight hours a night. Absolutely, it's a minimum. Anything less than eight hours is when you start to have the problems with drugs, cigarettes, alcohol, car crashes, and so on, moodiness. So parents need to be educated, and then they can talk to their kids about it and say, how is it different for you now that you're getting more sleep? And use the analogy of the food for the brain. You know, the oversleep on the weekend does not solve the problem. All it does is create what is called social jet lag. It's like every every weekend you move, you like you've taken a plane trip and you're moving into a different time zone. So it's considered really unhealthy for the brain to have such variability in the sleep pattern. And, and kind of, do you find that schools have conversations about sleep with, with youth? With their yes, they do. They do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting just because the information is getting out there. It's certainly as it becomes a statewide issue, it's been talked about, you know, places like California, Florida. But also, I think uh, in health classes, FIED, the teachers that get to know about this then talk to their students about what are you doing. Um, you shouldn't be really texting your friends after mm-hmm. 1030 at night. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I've suggested to teachers is don't assign homework that's due at midnight because you know students they will stay up till you know the last hour working on their project and so their assignment and so if you say the turn-in time is 10 p.m instead of midnight Mm. the turn-in 10 p.m time for teachers works much better because then it gets students getting their last minute turn-in time between 9 and 10 p.m and not between 11 and midnight oh that's a great tip great tip yeah Anything else that you, any other tips you have for parents or teachers or or young people? Well, and I think the teachers and the parents um, need to be, like I said, need to be well-educated. And then teens need to know about their body. And, you know, teenagers like to know, oh, this is really the brain gets washed every night. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. And if you don't get enough sleep, you don't wash your brain every night. And it causes a buildup of of, uh, unnecessary factual information. So I think teenagers need to know what is happening with their body as they um, have moved into puberty and into adolescence. Great. So for people who would like more information about all of this, do you have any websites you'd like to recommend? Well, the um, probably the most comprehensive website is um, a, a nonprofit group of people that have come together, sleep educators, called Start School Later. It's oh. all one word, Start oh. School Later. And... If you put in start school later, I believe it's .net, but I'm not sure. Um, but start school later, you will get a compendium of research information and helpful right. hints and locations across the country. And there's also a place that is um, a resource bank if people want to talk to a superintendent in a particular in their state, there are people to to answer questions directly about how did they get their own implementation. Um, made in their community. That's so. great. That's a great resource. Yeah. So just one last question. So you sure. are a senior research fellow. I'm talking with Dr. Kyla Wallstrom, a senior research fellow and lecturer at the University of Minnesota. And um, what is your research these days? Uh, well, I research, I'm a policy researcher, so I'm still researching this because I'm curious about how communities make change and the pushback 
that people and community members have. And I also study leadership and how leadership affects changes and implementation of new ideas in education. So I'm a researcher that looks at changes. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, this has been a fascinating discussion. Dr. Kyla Wallstrom, Senior Research Fellow and Lecturer at the University of Minnesota's College of Education and Human Development. I have some good colleagues, as I think I emailed to you at the School of Nursing there, and I think the world of them and uh, the University of Minnesota ranks high on my list of top schools in the country. So thank you so much for joining me on Health Center and the Catskills today. This has been a pleasure. Thank you. (laughs) 